Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Recently I spoke to a woman who uh, has a a, a stomach illness that that means bleeds regularly. Uh, Once to twice a year, the treatment is to get the lining of her stomach burnt uh, to stop the bleeding, which those treatments result in one to two days of roll-on-the-ground pain. And then she also shared with me that uh, she's just starting to get checked out for cancer in another part of her body. And, and as I empathised with her, she immediately said, oh, don't worry, others have it worse. I, I, I starkly remember that conversation. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> uh, but... Isn't that one of the ways that we handle pain and and trauma is perspective? Yes, what's happening is awful, but it could be worse. Perspective. Uh, Today's passage opens with Jesus telling his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled, which is fascinating. Because in John chapter 12, verse 27, in John 13, verse 21, we're told Jesus was troubled. Now, Jesus was not being a hypocrite. Jesus was teaching us how to put our trouble in perspective. Yet, there is no greater trouble than Jesus being nailed to a cross. That was the greatest evil in all of history. And yet we're told in Hebrews chapter 12 that for the joy set before Jesus, he went to the cross. Jesus knew what he was headed towards. But he also knew that the cross would result in the salvation of all his followers. That is why we read in John chapter 12 verse 27 that Jesus was troubled. But then in John 14 verse 1 he tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. You see, Jesus had perspective. And Jesus is telling us, have perspective when your heart is troubled. And what is the lens by which we gain perspective? One short sentence. Jesus is the way to the Father. 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 Jesus wants us to know how powerful that short sentence is. And here's how he shows us that power. Uh, First, Jesus gives us the reason for not letting our hearts be troubled. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. And so we're going to look at Jesus' preparation. And then Jesus is going to tell us that he is the way to the place. And not just the way, 
Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And then Jesus is going to tell us that he is the way and the truth and the life because Jesus and the Father are one. And so there's our three headings for the sermon tonight. Bang. Firstly, Jesus' preparation. Jesus equals the way and the truth and the life. Jesus and the Father are one. Okay. Uh, Jono, can you hear me up the back? I feel like I'm yelling, but you guys hear me like, uh, sort of, sort of. If you turn me up just a bit, I think I feel like I'm yelling. All right. Okay, so are we ready? Jesus' preparation. Have you ever tried to calm someone down who was in a complete meltdown? On, on one particular uh, emergency department uh, trip, I was taking our third child, Ethan, and he was inconsolable. He's with us tonight. I see him shaking his head. I got permission for this. It's okay. Hang in there. Uh, inconsolable. Blood was gushing out of a gash in his head that he got in the backyard. He was trusting no one. He was flailing about. And the doctor said to me, I think we're going to have to give him that happy gas just to calm him down. And, and Ethan got wind of it. And he's like, what's happy gas, Dad? And I said, it's okay. It's okay. It'll make you feel better. What will it make me feel like, Dad? And I said, oh, for some dumb reason. I, I said, It'll make you feel drunk. <laughs> At which point, Ethan calmed down, looked me in the eye, and said, Dad, how do you know what it is to be drunk? <laughs> yeah, so I go from dad trying to calm child down to child discipling dad. <laughs> Look at verse 1 of chapter 14. Jesus told his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus was attempting to calm the disciples. Let's see how he did that. John 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Now remember, even Jesus was troubled by his imminent death. And so how much more so the disciples, as they start to get their head around the fact that Jesus is going to die. And so on this final night with the disciples, Jesus said, it's okay. Believe me. Believe also the Father. We've got this. Sure, I'm going away. But that's so I can prepare a place for you. And if I go and do that, I'm going to come back and take you to where I am and with the Father. We've got this. It'll be okay. But first... I have to go. Brother, sister, do you know that Jesus is coming back for you? Yeah, we know something more than the disciples that they didn't know when Jesus first said this. Not only did Jesus go to the cross, Jesus rose from the dead. And the resurrection changes 
everything. Jesus' resurrection is solid hope for a very troubled world. Jesus has already done the hard things. Jesus died for our sins. Sin is conquered. Jesus rose from the dead. Death is conquered. Jesus has done the hard things. Therefore, believe him. Believe also the Father when they say, Our King will return and take us to the place that he has prepared for us. Yeah, even if it's another thousand years before Jesus returns and you and I are dead, Jesus will resurrect our bodies and will join him. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now here's an important question. Got your Bible open? You're looking at it? John, John 14. Why does Jesus say in verse 3, I will come again and will take you to myself. But then in verse 4, Jesus says, you know the way to where I am going. Why didn't he finish the hope at verse 3? I'll come again and take you to be with me. Why did he add verse 4? You know the way to where I'm going. Doesn't that make it sound like, oh, I don't need to come back. You know the way. Why verse 4? Because Jesus is an announcement not an instruction. Jesus is an announcement, not an instruction. Brings us to our second point. Jesus equals the way and the truth and the life. Read from verse 5 with me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus did not come to give us instruction so that we could work out how to get ourselves to heaven. Jesus is not another prophet in a long list of prophets telling us how to get to God. Now, Jesus didn't bring a treasure map so that we could find our way to paradise. Jesus brings good news, not good advice. Jesus is an announcement, not an instruction. You see, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I didn't come to teach you how to fix yourselves up and get your way to God. I am the way and the truth and the life. Uh, do you remember the first verse of John uh, chapter 1? In the beginning was the word. Now, uh, what sits behind our English word word is a Greek word logos. Why don't you say it with me? Logos. There you go. You're all Greek experts now. Isn't that wonderful? 
Haven't you been waiting for that day? All right, Logos uh, sits behind the, the word word. And you might have heard the word Logos along the way. This is who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word Logos. We're told in John chapter 1, verse 14, this is Jesus' name. And the word was with God. And the word, the Logos, was God. The word, the word, the word. Jesus is the word. Why did John call Jesus the word? Because after spending three years with Jesus, listening to all of Jesus' teaching, John realized that the words of Jesus were the very truth and the very life and the very words of God. The person of Jesus was the very truth of God. The word of Jesus was so equal to, so similar to, so tied up to God, that Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word. The Word is the logical name of Jesus. Now, this is why Jesus can say in, in John chapter 8, verse 31, If you abide in my Word, you are my true disciples. But then in John 15, verse 7, Jesus can say, If you abide in me. To abide in Jesus' word is to abide in Jesus. Jesus is the word. And then how about Revelation chapter 19, verse 13? We read in that chapter, that verse of Jesus returning. And on that day, his name will be declared, the word of God. And then in the very next verse, we we have this picture of Jesus with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. You see, not only does Jesus speak words of life and judgment, Jesus is life and judgment. Jesus is the Word. Which is why Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Which is an extraordinarily exclusive claim, yeah? What about Allah? Muhammad, Buddha. What about whatever form of meditation that you want to try and choose to, to, to get yourself into a higher state with the being that's above us? Jesus has a very clear answer. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Verse 6 is extreme and it is exclusive. It either causes one to worship Jesus or hate Jesus. Think about it. If anybody else came and made the exclusive claims of Jesus, we'd call the cops or the mental health unit. And I'm not saying that as a joke. That's deadly serious, isn't it? But Jesus is not anyone else. Jesus is the Word. Who was in the the beginning was with God and who was God and who is God. Jesus is the Son of God who is God. Which is why when Jesus says He is the way and the truth and the life, He is literally declaring anyone who wants to know God must come to Jesus. 
Jesus is declaring, I am the one you are searching for. Crown me or kill me. They're your only two choices. I am the way and the truth and the life. Which brings us to our third and final point. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life because Jesus and the Father are one. Read verse 7 again with me. This is Jesus. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and seen him, have seen him. And so can you hear Jesus? Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To which Philip immediately asks the question in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and he is enough for us. <laughs> Jesus goes on to say, have, you, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Philip's question was reasonable. Yet at the same time, it proved just how dense the disciples were. And not just them, is it? it it's also us. Here's why Philip's question was reasonable. Uh, the Bible's clear. The, uh, there is only one God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Over and over again, the testimony of the Bible is there is only one God. And so Philip's question, it's reasonable. What do you mean if we've seen you, we've seen the Father? But here's why Philip's question was dense. All that Jesus had taught over the previous three years proved that Jesus is God. All the miracles Jesus had done over the previous three years proved that Jesus is God. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, we immediately want to empathize with the disciples. I mean, who amongst us has fully got our heads around the bum, 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 Trinity? Yeah? One God who is also three persons. One God, only one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing every illustration, every analogy that we come up with breaks down at some point or doesn't do justice to the Trinity. Or if you follow the uh, illustration, the analogy to its logical end ends up as false teaching. The only analogy we have for the Trinity is the Trinity. One God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you want to know the best place to go to understand the Trinity, John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. That's all you need. And you'll see and hear and love the Trinity. Now, rather than empathize with the disciples' denseness, Rather than speculate on an analogy like water, ice and steam, rather than think that we can fully grasp God, shouldn't we just worship and rejoice and exult in our God who is one God in three persons? Now, yes, if this was just out of some textbook, if this was just some guru teacher telling us about this mystery of God who is three and one, sure, be sceptical. But brothers and sisters, 
as we've been working through John's Gospel, hasn't your heart already begun to expand with joy as we're hearing that Almighty God took on humanity not just to deal with our sin, but to show us the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe God. Believe also Jesus. Let's, um, let's apply this to us. What, what troubles your heart? Is it the world affair front, the big world news? It's, I mean, you know, the war in Ukraine has been going on for over a year. During that time, the posturing of China and the US. We also now, since October 7, have Gaza. Uh, North Korea has nukes. Iran has nukes. Any one of those five is enough that potentially to lead to a world war. What, is your heart troubled? Uh, climate change on a global front. Uh, the, the issues around racism on a global front, local front, poverty. And, and we see all those problems, but we just don't know how to come together, do we? Because when we do come together, we just fight and yell at each other and cancel each other and say you're woke or you're a nationalist. And <laughs> What troubles your heart? Something more on the local front, maybe. Uh, a, a, a broken relationship gone really bad and you're in the thick of it or, or maybe it's happened a while ago and you're still suffering the pain underemployed not even sure how you're going to get to the end of this month let alone the end of the year how many serious sicknesses are there within our church family cancer chronic pain, other chronic illnesses, depression. What troubles your heart? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And here's what we know. Jesus cannot be saying, you won't have a troubled heart. Zach was right to pray for us. We, we might continue through the suffering. Because Jesus was troubled. Jesus was overwhelmed by trouble. And so Jesus is not saying, put your sorrow, put your troubles in a little box and put them away and put them out of your mind. He's saying something else. What is he saying? Three steps I have to offer. Here's number one. First of all, your troubles are real. We live outside the garden and your troubles are real. And so you, you need to cry out to your heavenly father, my heart is troubled. And you need at least one Christian friend who can bring comfort. You know, not, not 
I don't know, cordial, doesn't last very long, cliche hope, but Jesus hope. Step number two. Step number one is your, your troubles are real. Step number two, John 13. Don't forget John 13. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' let not your heart be troubled falls right on the heels of John chapter 13 where Jesus has given us the posture of the Christian walk. That the posture of the Christian daily walk is one of going low in order to lift others up. Uh, The Christian daily walk is one of a servant. Uh, The Christian daily walk is one of it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, There's an old uh, dead now uh, Dutch theologian, G.C. Birkauer, and one of his famous sayings is this, grace is the essence of theology, gratitude is the, uh, gratitude is the essence of ethics. Now, what, what does that mean? All right, theology. Studying the word of God so that our heads and our hearts would worship God. The, the essence of this is grace. If we get our heads and hearts around the grace of God, Jesus who went to the cross for sinners, and then as we get that, we will get the essence of ethics. Ethics is how we live. What do we do? How do we walk through life with gratitude? Uh, brother, sister, read your Bible every day because this is the word of God. Read, read every day so that the grace of God would wash over you so that you are then ready to walk through every day no matter what trouble comes with gratitude. And that is such an important word for us today because today what we're being told is, no, 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 put on the sad face. Put on the life of a victim. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Put on the gospel. Put on the gospel of grace and go through life as a grateful servant. But if you just listen to all of that, I hope you're saying, but how? (laughs) How? How do we do step one and two? Because step one is, oh, these troubles are real. And step two is now walk through life with those troubles, with gratitude. And Jesus' answer, he's been telling us it all night, is perspective. It's perspective. Jesus' perspective was the cross. No greater evil has ever happened in history than the Son of God being nailed to a cross. And yet for the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. And then you and I, we've got two more bits to the perspective, don't we? We've got the resurrection and the return. Jesus has prepared your place. Jesus will return for you. Brothers and sisters, remember, Jesus is an announcement, not instruction. Jesus is an announcement, not an instruction. You don't have to fix yourself. 
Jesus fixed you. Your enemy, which could be a person, which could be you know, the whole global stuff of what's going on, your enemy just might defeat you. But remember, Jesus has already triumphed for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe God. Believe Jesus. Where is Jesus right now? That's a real question. Where is Jesus? Uh, didn't quite hear. Lindsay, you call yours out again. Right hand of God. Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is the right hand of God. Jesus, they're all the right answers. Picture him. Jesus is on his throne. Let's go. And so, in the words of that, one of my favorite hymns, Charity Bancroft, Before the Throne of God Above. Behold him there, the risen lamb. The perfect, spotless righteousness. And I've already forgotten it, haven't I? Why can't we sing? The great, unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, one with himself, we cannot die. Our soul purchased by his blood. Our life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ, our Saviour and our God. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe God. Believe Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, give us eyes to see your Son on his throne, you high, mighty, in control, sovereign over everything. Make our hearts believe. Oh, Father, um, I pray for anyone here tonight with a troubled heart. Father, first of all, would your spirit minister to them in a supernatural way? And then, Father, would we also, as a church family, also provide uh, ministry and comfort uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ, who has prepared our home and will return to take us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.